They turned me loose again. Gates are open. So are the phone lines, by the way. Pleased to have you with us. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Calder. He'll return next week. I'll be on, I believe, Monday, and then Pete's there the rest of the week. And uh, as you are accustomed to, and I think tomorrow there's a UNC game, and so all those Tar Heel fans could be happy. It'll be here live, from my understanding, here at WBT. News Talk 1110-993. You can get in on the conversation 704-570-1110. 570-1110. A lot to discuss. You know, I was cogitating. It's a word my grandfather loved to use, cogitate. To think. I hadn't been able to get it added to Webster's, you know, yet, but I'm working on that. So I was cogitating on a, a variety of things about the end of the year. That Looking back, you know, we talked about looking back and looking forward. About where kind of are we? We, we, we definitely are in, you know, two, three, four, five different worlds in the country, depending on the, the tribe you, you know, uh, relate to at any given point. I mean, unless you think I'm being very divisive here, certainly it would be easy to talk, you know, about abortion or the have and the have-nots or uh, go down the gender path or the sexual preference path or the young versus the old, the conservative versus liberal, race, race, ethnicity. There's any number of things we love to divide ourselves and, and get into little in our tribes and just got to get all, all riled up. But, I mean, it can be as simple as UNC, Duke, or State, you know, or ECU, any, or any UNC, the Panthers. You know, we, we love our tribes. We humans are as tribal as they get, as any species. And we can be a part of any other given tribe at any other given point in time. What about barbecue? Talk about a tribal discussion here in North Carolina. It becomes pretty serious. You know, it's civil most of the time, most of the time, but not always. But we love that. But as I'm looking over the past year, some of the things that I think are probably good things, there are other tribes that would think they were not. And some of the things that I think are not so good, other tribes would think are good. So it's not even that we can have consensus on good and bad. We could on crime and say, hey, crime is bad. But we would say, looking at some of these larger cities, looking at New York, Chicago, L.A., looking at some of these, Charlatans would be wise to, to try to figure out a way to not be like that. They're heading in that direction. They're becoming you know, more kind of left-leaning. They're, they're embracing those policies. The homeless populations continue to increase. Charlotte is at the, at the gateway to becoming a New York or an L.A. or San Francisco. They are. It can be stopped. It can be prevented. Asheville, Wilmington, those cities have kind of embraced that heading down there. You can't even go through the streets of Wilmington without possibly seeing heroin needles laying around, becoming like Seattle or Portland. I didn't say that to be negative, but as I look over the past year, you know, I, a, a lot has changed, some for the better. And it's, that's kind of the notion that, that as we take stock, whether it's a birthday or an anniversary, we kind of look back, we look forward. You know, over the past year, I would say, I think many of us have a newfound appreciation for freedom. We, we've A lot of our freedoms were taken away under the auspices of, of a virus, which was poorly understood and poorly responded to. And, and those on the left and others, not just the left, felt it was the appropriate thing to take away. And they, me, they really tested you. They tested all of us to say, we can take away all of these things under the auspices of public health. Our governor, our governor did. We were under that emergency order until August of this year. But I think many of us took heart and said, wait a minute. We have got to, and I believe if there hadn't been a substantial amount of fighting back and the exposure of more truths about the lockdowns not working and about the masks not working, I think that many of those lockdowns would have persisted even longer. So there was a lot of, there was a fight for freedom. 
that resulted in more freedom, at least on that front. You know, an evolve. This is kind of the way our society evolves. I think it evolved uh, quickly. I don't know if it's good or bad yet, but certainly with restaurants, with food, with the way we shop, I think online. I think in many ways the bad part of this is I think we're going to become less social as a society, and that's not good. I don't think uh, holding up in your house and just having things brought in, I think we're going to have a newfound age of 600-pounders out there that, that are going to find a way to subsist on things being brought to them. On the one hand, that's bad. But on the other hand, it's good for those folks who have a debilitating illness or something like that, the ability to get more goods and services and products. That, that's actually a good thing. I think now with the pushback over the past year and with Musk pushing at least on one social platform, I think the era of debate may be back. Uh, certainly there's an attempt to whitewash things, the FBI trying to gaslight America and the administration acting like they don't hear questions or see reality. But the number of people asking questions is increasing. I think the media's awareness of itself as being complicit in working with the established government narrative is becoming humiliating and embarrassing to them. So that's good. On the bad side, I think we have a lot less trust in our government. We have a lot less trust uh, Societally, I think we have less trust in the agencies like the CDC, the World Health Organization, less trust in the FBI, less trust in these things that were entrusted to protect us. And those are that that lack of trust is sadly justified. I think the the country itself, looking at what's happening at the southern border, looking at the way we don't really care about the flag, we don't. And that sounds. I'm not saying you need to go, you know, worship the flag or anything. What I'm saying is. The notion of America as we know it is changing. It's evolving. And I don't necessarily know that it's better and stronger. If you have one group of individuals that doesn't value a border, it doesn't value the country. And that's problematic as we move forward. I think certainly the, the tribalism can be both good and bad. If it, The less tolerant it is, I think we, we've also seen that the progressives are not very tolerant. They preach it, and I've got a, a column later, that the progressives have become the very thing they say they hated. And we'll go through that later in the show. Authoritarianism. I, I think the Americans are always suspect of authority, but lately we've seen that we're, we haven't been as suspect of authority. The Biden administration, Democrats, Democrats, Roy Cooper, the authoritarian actions were largely acceptable under the guise of public safety. We saw this after 9-11 when the TSA became this unbelievable force in our airports under the guise of public safety. We gave up some freedoms there, saying it's for public safety, and now we have an organization that in large measure, for some Americans, is very difficult to deal with and very static in the way it addresses things. And censorship. Certainly spending, censorship, these are things that I, I think on the one hand, we experienced a lot more censorship, and on the other, there's been a lot of pushback to it. So I think we're in the evolving process about realizing how dangerous censorship really is. We, we've seen real live examples. It's, it's very Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451. We're not burning books, but we're burning the ability of people to communicate. We're, a sec we're, we're, we're selectively doing that. We're taking people in society, and we're blacklisting them. We were. Not we, you, me, but the FBI working hand in glove with those tech companies that do have a broad reach. And the media was working with them on that. So a lot of that was suppressed. So, I mean, there's much more. This is largely a non-inclusive list. This is a, a very, this is me reflecting on, on the world as we see it. And certainly you may have a very different way of looking at things.
While in the break, listeners to the Pete Callender program would be aware of a caller named Rick. Now, Rick, if you happen to be listening, whose story is both intriguing and interesting, and to this guest host would be uh, exactly the same. So, Rick, if you happen to be listening, you want to give us a call, you want to call back in, we'd love to hear from you. Apparently, it's definitely worth hearing. So, 704-570-1110 here at News Talk 1110-993-WPT, 570-1110. Now... Uh, a little bit, and, and they'll let me know if he calls back. So please do. We'll just even if you have to interrupt me. So um, do want to mention we have talked about the uniqueness of this great nation, and and it is it, it astounds me when the political left wants to devolve and turn us, and it, it's really a sign that the country is doing so well that we find things to complain about. I, I mean, it, it's it's. It's a bizarre reality, and you see it with kids, the kids that have everything. And I, I'm not trying to pick on your kids or anyone else's kids, but you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. When a kid has, you know, if they have too many Christmas presents, they'll be opening them and say, where's my next present? They've, they've become so accustomed to receiving things that they're, that they're kind of spoiled to it, and they say, where's my next present? When, when things are so good, we, look for, we, we humans have to have adversity in, in our lives. And so even, no matter how good things are, we have to look for things. And I think a lot of the, the trans movement stuff that we get all bent out of shape about and the, 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 the grooming that we see take place and the obsession with drag shows now, I think we've had it so good. Only a country that has very little stress can, can find things to be stressed about. We have so much that we find ways to be t- to get irked about and then poke somebody else in the eye about. And I say that. Because let's ref- let's look at another country, and this ran actually on CNN, but it will give you a sense for how not America every other place is on the planet just about. How unlike this country in any fundamental way, how far removed from what we think of as norms. Now, regardless of whether you're politically left or right, take stock of it a little bit. The next time you want to get all bent out of shape about a, a conservative out there, Take stock of the fact that really think about what you're pushing for before you go off on them about uh, your Trump derangement syndrome or how you want to fundamentally alter and take the country in a totally different direction. Because it is a country that at least respects relationships, crimes against women. It does. It's not always perfect. It doesn't always get it right, but we want to get it right. There are countries that don't. A court in Pakistan. I don't even want to give you that. I want, I want to give you the backstory. I'm not going to give you the headline. Daulat Khan, so you know it's in Pakistan, 23 years old, was convicted in May of raping a deaf woman who's 36 years of age in 2020 in the northeastern district of Swat, spelled just like it sounds, in, in a province of Pakistan, according to his lawyer. He was sentenced to life in prison. He was fined 100,000 rupees, which is about 440 bucks, said the lawyer. Now, the woman later gave birth to a child as a result of the rape, the lawyer added. Now, many on the left would say, see, that's just what Republicans want. They want to force women to have uh, no, because here they would have access to the morning after pill. They would have access to rape kits, any number of things that would have prevented it from becoming a pregnancy. But the left doesn't like to discuss that. But let's keep going, because that's not the gist of the story. On Monday, the Pe- Peshawar High Court acquitted this rapist after the two, his victim and he, were married. Earlier in December, following an out-of-court settlement made by a local jurga. Now, that's a council of elderly men who make decisions based on Sharia law. Now, lest you think that's far removed, there are neighborhoods 
in the Northeast and one or two elsewhere that do govern themselves with Sharia law outside of the bounds of the U.S. justice system. They come up with decisions based on their own way of looking at the law. But this is fascinating. So they released the rapist from prison, got him married to his victim. SWAT is a mostly rural and conservative district where deeply ingrained, often brutal patriarchal and misogynistic attitudes remain prevalent. In 2012, activist and Nobel laureate Malala Yousafzai was shot in the head by the Pakistani Taliban in SWAT for defying the orders of going to school. Was shot and killed for going to school. It's not uncommon for these jurgas to settle cases in many parts of Pakistan on so-called taboo issues like childbirth outside of marriage. Now, you think about that. Just, I mean, the, the CNN goes on to a number of other things. But we are so far removed from that reality. Can you imagine sitting in your home today and you see the news, comes on, you're watching at night and say, oh, you know, I'm not going to say, well, I would say Governor Cooper. Let's just say the courts have adjudicated, have, have uh, released from prison five rapists today because there was an agreement that they would marry their victims and all's forgiven to prevent shame on a family. That's the astounding reality of other countries. So taking stock of this country, I mean, our, when we look at our fights, our, our fights seem kind of petty in light of that reality in other countries. As people want to try to think that we're all homophobic and transphobic, no, they're not. In other countries, they will put you in a chair, put a noose around your neck, and throw you off a building if you're gay. The Iranians have done that. Many other countries have done things like that. We have a lot to be thankful for in this country. But you know what? It doesn't come free. Freedom is never free. But we have to fight for it. And we have, a, we have an opportunity every day to defend and protect that. <laughs> Continuing our excursion into our excellent broadcasting here with the fine folks at WBT, Bernie Chris making it all work. Pete Callender out, the host of this fine fine, occupies the chair from whence the microphone delivers outstanding information to you each and every day. And we're glad to have you here. The last this will be the last day of the year for this broadcast, this particular show, because I think, like I said, the, the game's tomorrow. So we get to have fun, and then we get to introduce the new year to you next week. And it's always a pleasure, and appreciate the, the staff and, and the listeners and all. Uh, I just want to dovetail a little bit about what that Pakistani story was about and I want how far removed the spectrum of human – I was going to say human decency, but that's the wrong word. The spectrum of an evolved society is, is vast. I mean, on the planet now, I mean, you could have said a couple hundred years ago, it was much more closely aligned. There were some primitive tribes, but you go back far enough, we're all kind of the same level of primitive. Now there's a degree of, of an evolved way of looking at things. And, but what's alarming about it is I think that we get evolved enough, we start toppling over under the weight of our own bizarreness. It's very, you know, Caligula type way of looking at the world that it just kind of topples over. And we start, we see it now. We're arguing about bizarre stuff. We're arguing about stuff that 50 years ago, people would have scratched their head and said, what the hell are you doing? But we, we do. We, we endlessly argue about it. But there are primitive tribes in South America still. There are some that are not exposed to you know, modern civilization. And then there's Pakistan and there's, there's enclaves of these that are led in a theistic way, in this very monotheistic way, 
that that deprives women of basic rights, not having a driver's license. They can't show their face in public. They have to be out in public with with a man. They don't have any problem understanding genders at all. They don't think of it as a social construct at all. It is law over there. One of the most bizarre things are the notion of honor killings, which are also still allowed. In February, the brother of murdered social media queen, or excuse me, media star, Quandel Balak, was freed by a Pakistani appeals court. Now imagine in this country, if a brother goes out, gets upset with his sister, and kills her, goes to jail, and then the court says, wait a minute, on appeal, they say, look, it was a justifiable homicide. It was completely justified because she brought shame on the family. She deserved to die. So he was released from this. He killed her for bringing dishonor on the family. It's called an honor killing, and it's still allowed in parts of, and not just Pakistan, but some other countries as well. It's just so far removed from our country. It's so far removed from our culture. But we're not, the, 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 the sad part of this is in addition to those people that are suffering, and, 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 and we wish that they could be more involved. But we're not that far away from it. You have people in this country that would love to be able to put any kind of Trump supporter in a brigade. They would love to put them in jail just for the fact that they supported Trump. They would love to put you in prison. They would love to hold you without a trial for a year and a half. I don't know, kind of like January 6th. They, they're fine with that because your belief structure is anathema to them. It is, it is unacceptable to them. You are not erudite enough to function in society and until you get reprogrammed, it's very Orwellian. But alas, I get away from things. Let's have a little bit of fun. And if you want to get on the phone call, it's, it's certainly, or excuse me, you want to get on the conversation, it's 704-570-1110, 570-1110. And to get to a little bit more fun out there, well, I will. i tell you what, we will. And if you happen to be out and about, you need to go check out, because WBT is a big part of this, is welcoming the Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories at Truist Field, now through January 6th. Ice skating rink, snow tubing hill, light shows, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping, even Santa after Christmas, and more, brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. So do share the warmth. Weather's getting better every day. Go check it out through January 6th. You can be a part of that. Now, having a little bit of fun. Did you wonder when, when, when this epic cold early winter situation came upon us. Did you wonder how people's electric cars would do? I don't know about you. I've had a hybrid. Years ago, I had a hybrid, uh, not because of climate change or global warming, but just because I was driving many miles and I wanted to save money. So I had I had this fun sports car, but I also had this early version, the, an inside, a two-door, and it would get, I could get 54 miles. Lifetime on the car was 53.3, and... I could get 54 to 60, depending on the conditions. Now, in cold weather, it got worse mileage. Now, but it wasn't an EV. And in, in, in any traditional way, it, wasn't, it, was only, it was only assist. It was motor assist, and it would allow you to, to help do something. It would charge the motor when you're braking. So it was a really interesting concept that Honda put out. The, but the point being, it was I was hypermiling that sucker. But, do you, but, you, but I knew it performed worse. And your cars generally do. Even internal combustion engines perform worse in cold weather. How do you think EVs do? How do you think they they handle the reality that they're in? So we now know. I mean, we know a lot more about it, but but we've known it for a while. But now that we've got about 1.7 million of these on the road, how do they do? 
More Americans are learning that frigid temperatures affect EVs, and this is from Real Clear Science, differently than the internal combustion engine, chiefly by cutting into their driving range to a greater extent. While a typical internal combustion engine might have a reduced range of about 15 to 25%, that's about right, uh, below freezing temperatures, an EV can go 20 to 50%. Now think about that. You think you're going to go 150 miles and it's cold outside, below freezing, you go to drive, no, no, no. You're going to be about half of that. An EV's range will be slashed by 20 to 50%, depending on driving speed, temperature, and interior climate. The, because traditional combustion engines use the engine heat to heat the interior cabin. So when your engine's running and producing all this heat, the car's utilizing some of that to keep you warm. But on an electric vehicle, it doesn't do that. It can't do that because there's no real there's electric engine. It doesn't produce a lot of heat. Plus, all that lithium ion, all that stuff inside those batteries doesn't perform as well. It has to use electric strips. So to keep you warm, it also takes away from your battery's performance. Combustion engines' reaction occur more inefficiently at colder temperatures, accounting for the range decline. But cold slows the physical and chemical reaction in electric batteries to a large degree, limiting the energy and power they can deliver. The Arctic blast that chilled much of the lower 48 showcased the EV range hit to Americans more than ever and also utilized a few less, or we learned a few lessons. They're not ready for frigid long road trips. When you cut that range by 40%, a lot of folks, not a ton, there's only 1.7 million on the entire country, but folks, a few were stranded. And when they're stranded, it's not like you can come jumpstart that car and get it going again. So there weren't places, there's not enough infrastructure. When they did charge, they had to deal with another disconcerting problem with EVs in winter. So you 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 can travel a little bit, not as long as you would want to go, and you need certain places to charge. EV fast chargers operate much more slowly. So when you go to charge your car, it takes longer in cold weather, if it even works at all. The colder the EV battery, the slower the rate of charge that it will accept, making fast charging in almost sub-zero temperatures almost impossible. Think a 45 to 60 minute charge instead of a 25 to 30 minute charge. To top it off, users reported that fast charging equipment, particularly from Electrify America, often just doesn't work below a certain temperature. So EVs driven in regions with a cold winter need to be charged at home. So keep that in mind. Otherwise, they work fine. You're interested in it. Aside from that, they, they worked fine. So you, when they are fully charged, you need to go 25, 30 miles or whatever, you're fine. But just be aware of the limitations, just like with anything else. There are limitations to what you can do with your electric vehicles. And hopefully the technology will continue to evolve. But, but thinking that all is perfect in the world of electric vehicles and that there are no repercussions for this, even the way we get the materials, the way they're produced, who produces them, there's a lot more to it. And I'm going to get to I've got a great column by a whiny liberal who's mad at Elon Musk, but still wants to virtue signal to the world. And he's and he's upset with himself about having a Tesla. And it's just it's fun. It's fun to see another version of things. And we're going to provide that to you. here. We're going to read his column so you can feel bad for the whiny liberal that has a Tesla. Much more to go here on the Pete Callender Show. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams. We'll be right back after this. Good afternoon. Continuing our day, this beautiful day, Thursday. Are you Charlatans listening and those who are listening online and elsewhere? I want to thank you for doing so. Right now, Roger's been on hold. Roger, thank you for calling the show. And what's on your brain today? I got a little bit. Oh, Roger, Roger left. Roger, you stayed till the right when you were going to go on. But that's okay. 
because we still got a lot of fun stuff lined up. I've been tracking some funny stuff on Twitter. I'd love to tell you who is writing some moonback crazy stuff out there, but I don't want to give them any more followers. <laughs> you, you go, you listen, and you, you read this stuff, and you're like, man, what color is the sky in your world? So, uh, But there is a lot of fun stuff out there. Now, we were talking about the electric vehicle stuff, and so I stumbled across a column kind of adjacent to that, which is this kind of virtue signaling wokest column from the L. Oh, I guess it's, I thought it was LA times, but it's actually on Yahoo. It's an op-ed. And, and I just want to read it to you because it'll give you some insight into the way certain folks think. And, and I'm not, there's no, there's no monolithic truth that, that one group has it right. I just think progressives on, in, in on balance have it a lot more wrong. I think they're much more misguided about solutions to problems than the right is, than the conservative side of things is. I think time bears that out. Capitalism bears that out. Uh, it, it, it is. But this is, I just want to give you some insight, perspective, so we can understand, so we can come to a higher level of understanding between the tribes. A few years ago, the author writes, and um, let's see, I want to get his name correctly. It's John Blumenthal is his name. A few years ago, I bought a used Tesla, not because I'm a car nut, but because I had been a hypocrite for years. I'd been an outspoken about the dangers of carbon emissions, yet at the same time I was driving an old gas-powered heap that got about 25 miles per gallon, and that sounded like a rocket launch every time I turned on the ignition. So you get that guilt. Guilt's the driving factor here. He's driven by guilt. He feels guilty because he somehow feels that if he charged his car up and it used coal instead of gas, that he's going to be cleaner. But let's go on. The car was impractical, but it had sentimental value. My environmental activist friends, why can't they just be friends? But anyway, uh, were not impressed by my assiduous urban composting, LED bulb installations, and energy-saving appliances. Now, what's funny is he's still using those appliances that have rubber gaskets in them, which are petroleum. He's still Those LED bulb installations, by the way, many of those have gone the way of the dinosaur already. And if you broke one, well, it was actually the, the, uh, the other kind. Anyway, this kind of and the urban composting only gets you so far, too. I needed to do more to diminish my carbon footprint. The icebergs were melting, my friend said, and at least one polar bear was wandering around homeless and hungry because of me. Many insisted that Teslas were the best for the environment. Pricey, but worth it. So I said goodbye to my gas guzzler, made the leap. Someone once said that Teslas are smartphones on wheels. So for an adult like me who suffers from technical issues, sitting in the driver's seat for the first time was like trying to master calculus after failing algebra. Where was the ignition? How do you make the thing move? What's a fob? It took me a few weeks to figure out the essentials, but I started to feel real affection for the car and the bells and whistles. Because of recent revelations about Elon Musk's political views, all of which I abhor, he says, I starting, I'm starting to worry about what sort of political statement my car is making. Now, this is interesting. Now, remember, he got the car to make a political statement, and now that he owns the car and disagrees with the guy who led the company, he's worried about the way people – this is, this is it, though. They're worried about the way they're perceived. Will people see me as a symbol of right-wing environmentalism? By the way, it's not right-wing environmentalism. It's called conservationism. We, we're, we're conservatives, and we like to conserve and protect the environment. We like to do it in, in very direct ways. We don't need the government to do it. We can do a lot on our own. Um, when I bought the car, I had no real opinion of Musk, somewhat clouded political beliefs. Now that he's apparently swung to the far right, again, not far right. Uh, supporting freedom isn't far right, by the way. But they say he's, he's swung to the far right because he's banning journalists from Twitter while reinstating neo-Nazis. 
and, and he has an obtuse link to that. It just gets crazier. I'm horrified to be associated with the brand whenever I drive the car. And he's going to be really upset when he realizes the soles of his shoes are an, uh, an, an ode to oil companies, aren't is he? And if he has leather, oh, man, God forbid he has leather products on somewhere. What is Musk up to with his acquisition and destruction of Twitter? Publicity? Political power? It's certainly not a financial strategy. If there's one demographic that's unlikely to buy a Tesla, it's the climate change deniers and anti-science voices. Again, this guy is just moonback crazy. I love this, though. Musk has turned Twitter into an unsupervised playground for neo-Nazis and other random hate mongers and wackadoodle QAnon followers, embraced everything Trumpian and responded tepidly to Kanye's outrageous flirtation with Hitler. As if that weren't enough, Musk's heartless treatment of his Twitter employees, a pre-Christmas firing with no severance pay, was downright Dickensian. Given Musk's political descent into the dark side, I wonder whether I should sell my Tesla to protest. By the way, it does nothing to Musk. Selling your Tesla. Sell it at a discount. Heck, I'll buy it. You want to sell it? Sell it cheap. How would that adversely affect Musk? Not at all, really. The sale of a used Tesla would hardly cause a dip and blip for any company. Even if I were part of a vast movement, EVs, would a, would a blow to Tesla stock really change? How many people would lose their jobs if I stopped buying a Tesla? I don't know whether to sell, but I do know that I'm just not as comfortable driving it. It's a beautiful car with no carbon emission. No emission at the car. But to charge the car requires emissions. That's the funny part about Tesla owners, or at least the ones that are not doing it because they like the car. I was proud of owning it before being seen driving a vehicle that displayed my concern. But he liked I'm sorry. He was proud of owning it and being seen driving a car to display my concern. In other words, virtue signaling. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. But I'm a liberal. And if Musk politics don't change radically for the better, driving a Tesla will become at least for me, as hypocritical and untenable as driving a gas guzzler was. You know what? Here's what you can do, dude. Get rid of all your vehicles. Get rid of them all. Don't have a vehicle. Walk. In fact, walk barefooted. You live in California. You can do that. Walk barefooted. Get rid of all your electrical appliances. Start showering once a week or less. Stop using water. Water's a precious resource. Stop using electricity. Don't recharge your phone. Stop being online. That uses electricity. You want to really be green? Go out, live in the woods. Go out, be that hairless primate that you are, and go stomping around the woods. Compost yourself. But that's the kind of guilt and bizarre behavior that the left, they, they really believe every decision is a way to signal that something else is relevant. That's important. Look at me. I drive a Tesla. I care about the environment. Now it's don't look at me because I drive a Tesla and you might connect me to Elon Musk. Imagine all the products you wouldn't use because of something someone did associated with that product somewhere else. We see that. I saw, I saw a report yesterday that uh, they've done an assessment of all the artwork in D.C. and over 400 of them are artwork of pieces of people who owned slaves before or did something in history that was negative. What do you do? That's kooky, folks. Much more to go. Second hour getting ready to be underway. Chad, I'm here for Pete Callender. We'll be back right after this.